All right, welcome back to the big program. One hour in the books, uh, 8 o'clock on a Monday morning. That means we welcome in our Monday co-host, Lorianne Munzer, Olympic gold medalist. Not former, but Olympic gold medalist. In 2004. Good morning, Lorianne. How was your weekend? Good morning, Kevin. It was fantastic. Watched and the Oiler game yesterday afternoon. A weird Sunday afternoon game for you. Black turtleneck was on again. <laughs> See? Have you washed it, though? Gosh, no. <laughs> you said not to. You can't. So I got to follow the instructions, right? This is this is the protocol. Well, just don't wear it in here, I guess, on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you've got a really early morning game, I think you're safe. Yes. So this is fun. Okay, let's uh, welcome in our daily contributor at 8 o'clock, uh, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. And on the mark, powered by Booster Juice, visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. Good morning, Mark. What's going on, folks? How are we doing on a Monday? Ah, it's always good to get the weekend rolling, uh, you know, the week rolling after a good weekend. And again, the Oilers are really rolling and... This is the team I think everyone expected to see at the start of the year. It just took a little while to find it. Yeah, seven in a row is, uh, you know, that's like when they were in the throes of this thing, we all kind of looked at each other and said, man, at some point they're going to have to win like seven, eight, nine in a row to get to even the tables here. And here we are. It's not even like what a roller coaster season, right? November and October were, uh, were brutal. Uh, so far, end of November and December have been pretty good. And here you are, you're 500. You know, to be 500 this early, I got to give them credit. They pulled out of the tailspin uh, a lot faster than I think everybody thought they could. And everyone is so excited, was so excited to see Cal Pickard pick up the W yesterday. Hey, you know, because he's, he's a guy that, like I asked him after the game, I said, is it, is it fair to call you a journeyman? You know, is that an insult? And he said, ah, you know what? He says, I've been up and down. He says, I've been in a few organizations. He says, that's fair. I'm a journeyman. <laughs> so, you know, he's that guy. He's, he's, every start in the NHL might be his last at this point, but give him credit. That's not how he looks at it. And and he was he gave him every bit of NHL goaltending yesterday. He made a bunch of good saves against a high-powered offensive team. Jersey scores lots of goals, and they only scored one yesterday. Uh, you know what? You can't. Who who's going to give you a better start than the one Cal Pickard gave you? I think he's doing a great job here, and you know I'm sure he's feeling a lot of the pressure. But you know to be able to give Skinner a bit of a break, when else do you see him playing? Like when when are you going to see or say, hey, he's going to be put in? Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's all going to come off the play of Skinner for one. It's all coming off his play. And I don't know if they felt that, you know, if like I sense this was a schedule start. I sense they looked at the schedule and said, okay, they played a Friday night game. They got a Sunday afternoon game. It's a good time for Picker to play. Uh, and I sense that they're probably scheduling Skinner for the next probably three home games. But you know what? If he lets in four against Chicago now and maybe looks a little tired, it, now you're, it's a lot easier to say, okay, you know what? Let's throw one of the – Florida or Tampa starts at Pickard because he's clearly given us enough goaltending. We could probably win with the guy. So it does change the dynamic a little now that you, with every good start Pickard gives you, you kind of feel a little bit better about giving Skinner a day off once in a while. And it buys time, Spec. It buys the team time, the organization time to do several things. 
to look at what we're doing with Jack Campbell, to look what we're possibly doing to explore a trade. It just gives them the luxury of well, time. Yeah, right. Good, good teams don't give away roster spots. And that's kind of where we were with Campbell. Like they're just begging for him to play, you know, to have decent numbers and play fairly well in Bakersfield. And they're going to bring him back up and give him the backup job here. And all of a sudden now you say, well, wait a second. Like it's, it, forget about the contracts and all that stuff. At this point, it's not even right to call up a guy with an 883 save percentage to replace Pickard who's playing really well for you. Like it's not, that's not how a good team runs. You know, it would be a, it would be a bit of a travesty, and I think the guys even in the room would think, wait a second, right? If What's you called up on? Campbell tomorrow and sent Pickard down, Campbell's not playing well enough to come up. So if he is, he's going to get the nod over Pickard. That's the deal. But until he is, he has to stay in Bakersfield and get his game together. And that's that's a properly run organization, right? That's how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So with Pickard coming into the game – what do you think coming off of a win, a seven winning streak here with the Oilers, what do you think that's doing to the mental aspect of his game? You know, he's getting put in, he's getting the game time, the ice time. Where is that going to go for him, do you think, from what you know of him? Well, I don't. I can't say that I know a ton, but I have spoken to him a little bit over the last few weeks. And it, you know what I will say? I, I think that what makes him able to operate here and, and to – you know, play. He's went a long time between starts, right? He's not playing much, and he comes out of the bullpen and gives you a really solid sixty minutes. So that tells me that he's an old pro. He's he's he said to me a couple times. He said, "I can't be nervous." He says, "If I'm nervous, I don't play any good." So he's passed all that. He's thirty-one years old. He's played a I don't know how many I don't know how many games pro hockey, but tons. So I don't think winning streak, losing streak. Whatever, Lorianne, I don't think it matters to this guy. I think he's beyond that. I think he's he's that veteran backup goalie that can play when the team's playing well and can play when the team's playing poorly, and he's going to give you the same thing. Calvin Pickard's top-end game, I'm not here to tell you he's Martin Brodeur, but I think he'll give you all he's got every time because he's not getting caught up anymore in, oh, I'm nervous, or, oh, the team's playing not so good. He, that's He's beyond that stuff, I think. He's played 119 games in the NHL spec, but well into the two, 300 in the American Hockey League. Remember, he did play 50 games for Colorado in 2016-2017. So he yep. has he he has that that savvy. He's got that you know veteran presence that uh, a goaltender in his position you need for your backup. Uh, sure. We're gonna hear spec. We're gonna hear from Connor Brown in uh, the 8:20 time slot. What did you make of his game in the last little bit? He's around it. Everyone thought he kind of maybe got off the schneid yesterday in the first period, but he's been around the net, and I think this first one's coming pretty soon if he can continue the way he's been playing. Yeah, he is around it. He's, you know what, a, 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 a game like his, uh, it starts with all the small things. I think the goals are probably the last thing to come. I'm telling you right now, like a guy coming off that ACL, how many games has he played? You got that in front of you? Is he at like personally? Has he played like 19 games in the in the AHL? Or, or sorry, what no, was no, the no, question? No. Connor Brown. Yeah. How, how many games he played this season? Oh, this season, like 19. 19. I think he's played 18 or 19 yeah, games. 19. Sorry. Okay, 19 games. So 
anyone out there who's who's getting on Connor Brown and I I've been reading it on Twitter. Oh, Jesse Pulyarby, <laughs> or oh, they could have had other guys. This was a bad signing. Anyone out there who thinks that you miss an entire season and then you come back and get in 19 games and you're supposed to be at midseason form and be back to the player you were, you're kidding yourself, right? Guys who rip out an ACL and miss a whole season, it's more than 19 games. That's just that's the history of the game. That's how it works. Don't think 10's enough. It's not. It's more like 30, right, or 40. So you might not like the signing. You might not like the fact the order's got a guy who probably isn't going to help him a ton until the second half. You can complain about that, and that is fair. But what you can't complain about is Connor Brown's played 19 games and he's not back up to snuff yet. That is just not that's not a reasonable argument. So he's getting there, and you got to be patient. And I'm here to tell you that I would predict that at game 30, at game the way he's looking right now, if he can stay healthy, game 30, game whatever, you're going to have the player you want. And at that point, the owners are going to be happy to have them. And I think that's a, a great statement there, Speck, because when you're coming off of an injury, coming back progressively is the best way to really roll into it. So as you see him coming into, you know, game games 25-30, where are you seeing him in the lineup? Is he going to stay where he is, or do you think they'll move him around a bit? Well, I mean, and that's that's they're kind of gifting him the spot in the top six, eh? Mm-hmm. And I get that. Like, that's we just talked about a proper team and how you're in your spot. And he has been, he's not a, been a top six player and he's playing in the top six. So I can see how people say, what's going on here? I get it. But I think what you'll find is he's, what I'm seeing, he's supporting Dry Seidel as a centerman a lot more. He's wicked killing penalties right now. Like, his PK work is fantastic. And slowly, right, he's four checking better. He's supporting Kane and Drysaddle on that line. They're doing most of the production. He's not. Uh, I think what you'll see, Lorianne, is slowly, right, slowly he'll be, you know, a couple of second assists, a couple first assists. Maybe he'll finally get a goal here, holy cow. Mm-hmm. But the production's the last thing to come. And what we're seeing is the foundation starting to come, right? All the other elements of his game are pretty good here. They're starting to get pretty good. They have to be followed by production. If we're talking about a guy with – two goals at the 60 game mark let's revisit this conversation but i think the production's got to be the next thing to come coming up to 8 12 in edmonton the kevin carey show with co-host Lorianne munzer and our daily eight o'clock contributor mark specter from rogers sportsnet on the subject of a player contributing mark mm-hmm. evan bouchard has been out of this world the last little bit now an 11 game point scoring streak he's on Last night again, the big slap shot. He has given that Oilers power play that look from the top where everything is so dangerous down low. If you can add this component as well, it right. seems to be unstoppable. Just your take on what Bouchard's been doing here the last little while. Yeah, it's it's almost criminal that the best power play in the history of the NHL gets that guy on top like we, we spent a lot of wind arguing last year whether it was, you know, when they trade, it was a good trade. Tyson Berry, you brought in home. Everyone loved that trade, and, and so did I. But I think we also discussed, is Bouchard ready to have the keys to the Maserati here, right? Was he ready to run this power play? And I guess we got our answer, hey? <laughs> He's, oh, boy, is he ready? And if you doubted it, you weren't right. <laughs> and, you so, know, the other thing, I can't remember what. 
I don't even remember what my own take was, Kevin. I can't remember what you thought at the time. But <laughs> I, I just think, again, and when the power play doesn't seem to be humming down low, that option just to let that lethal bomb go, wherever, and again, if Zach Hyman can, if he's in the way, he can he can push off because sometimes it gets a little high. It, it pushes. Mm. I think we saw that one goal where Petrangelo said, I'm not stand, standing around here. I'm not going to get pumped by a big slapper. So... It just gives them that one more option to what already is a very lethal power play. Well, there's two things here. You notice the Oilers power play struggled through November. Uh, The new penalty killing, like the coaches have dissected the Oilers power play from last year. And what they did the most was they took away some work off the flanks. They, They really... You know, Drysaddle's one-timer wasn't there for a long time because the passes weren't getting there. And, and McDavid coming off the other side, he told me about, you know, how he gets that puck from the defenseman while he's already moving towards the net. They call it going downhill. Uh, they took that away from him. So what that leaves open is the point shot. And the fact that the Oilers have a guy who – I listened to Bob Stoffer yesterday in the third period, and he had a stat. I don't know where he gets the stat, but it's a good one. He said, no one in the league – Like, there's guys that have shot pucks harder than Bouchard. There's guys with 104 miles an hour shots. But he said no one in the league has more shots at 92 miles an hour or harder this year than Evan Bouchard. So what does that tell you? He's a consistently hard, hard shooter. He gets the one-timer off. Like, you never see him heal one, Kev. You never see him fan on one, right? He's really consistent with the one-timer. It's getting through so that's that's a hell of a weapon. You got the most consistently hard shooter in the league back there. You got Hyman in front, who's as good a net front guy as there is in the game today. You got Drysaddle and McDavid on each flank, and you got Nuge in the middle on the bumper spot being Ryan Nuge and Hopkins. I mean, that's that's you know that's embarrassingly rich, isn't it? <laughs> that's what you want to see. I loved what uh, Skinner's comments were about Bouchard just – being one of the hardest shots and to have that practice all the time. I mean, speak about how that can play and enhance the Oilers game there. Well, yeah, unless you're the goalie that has to stay out and take those one timers in practice, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, it's, it's a wicked blast. It's, I, don't, I, I can't tell you why. I mean, I think Darren A said yesterday, he said someone, Maddie asked him, did you ever think you could shoot it uh, like Bouchard? And Darren A said, I saw him in development camp, and I knew right away I was never going to shoot as hard as him. So it jumps off his stick. It just jumps off his stick. And and you know what? Yeah. All he's got to do, folks, all he's got to do defensively is what he's doing right now. He's not Scott Stevens back there, right, or Chris Pronger, but he's aware, and he's taking his guy. He's playing decent honest defense he's working at it i don't he doesn't have to be great defensively he just has to be responsible mm-hmm. defensively he seems like he's figured that out now you got an all-around player that Oof. third in the league in scoring among defensemen what more do you want from the guy yeah he's been everything that i mean again since he kind of got rid of the egregious mistakes he has been one of the top blue liners in the league because when you add up all the offense so what do you make about t- tomorrow's game spec i'm sure you like all Oiler fans that will be going to the game or even watching it uh, will be keeping a close tab on the first time the Oilers have played uh, Connor Bedard at Rogers. Uh, yeah, it's exciting, right? Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I'm just writing a piece today. We talked to Connor McDavid the other day about the fact that you know here comes the next great young player. 
And uh, actually had a nice chat with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's been the first time he skated with Connor Bedard out in Vancouver was when Bedard was like 12. <laughs> he said that he used to hang around after his skate and come up with us pros. Uh, so, you know, uh, Nugent, keep an eye on Nugent tomorrow. If they line up next to each other, if they, he's known this kid for a long time and they talk and they're, they're friends. So keep an eye. I think he's probably got a tap on the shin pads for this kid tomorrow. It'll be. A, I would think it would be a thrill for Bedard to, to line up and play a game against Nugent Hopkins because, you know, he's followed him along for a long time coming out of BC, right? You know, Speck, I found an, an old program from, and you've been there many times, the old Johnny Reed Bantam tournament, the under-15 oh, yeah. tournament in St. Albert. Yes, sir. So I just found an old program from 2019, and there's... Connor Bedard in the program from 2019. So, yeah. you know, he was at the, at the Johnny Reed four years ago. 2019, that's only four years ago. Exactly. It's amazing, isn't it? Right, right. So, yeah, I know. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm fascinated to see the kid play. Uh, I remember doing this with McDavid going through the league, and every town he went to, people were so yeah. thrilled. And God forbid he had a day where he was a little bit tired and didn't play well. People felt ripped off. So <laughs> let's hope that, you know, Bedard's opening a road trip here. Chicago played at home last night. They're traveling today, should be rested, should be ready to go. And all these guys, we know this, right, because we've had the Gretzkys and the McDavid's. And these guys, when they get in the rink with other guys of their sort of level, right, with Bedard's flying in here thinking, okay, this is my first game against Connor McDavid. I got Nugent Hopkins over there. Uh, he's going to bring it. I, I would predict this is more special to him than the game in Calgary or the game in Vancouver. It's a big deal for Bedard. And I think on the other side, McDavid's <laughs> kind of quietly thinking, this kid ain't coming in here and running our show. Not we'll yet. Take care of that tomorrow. It yeah. should be fun. Yeah, not yet. You can you can have your time not a yet. few years down the road, Sonny, but not tomorrow <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Yeah. Hey, thanks for this, spec. We'll see you down at the rink. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, folks. See you, Lorianne. See ya. That's Mark Spector uh, on the mark, powered by Booster Juice. Uh, get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Uh, it's always exciting when a young player comes into town. Oh, I remember in, so you know, when Sidney Crosby came. His yep. very first news conference was at the Hotel Mac. And oh, wow. they just brought him in in one of the rooms and he was, you know, he's 18 years old. Yep. And he was looking around and, you know, beautiful hotel, ballroom kind of, you know, where the news conference was uh, set up. And ever, there was a lot of media back then, yeah. you know, because I think it might have been even his first game in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. So I think that really elevates the game. It brings a, another level of energy because I was thinking about that, you know, the two Connors coming on. The energy mm-hmm. is going to be through the roof just for that. And of course, everybody's going to be on their toes watching or the edge of their seats. Okay, what's going to happen? And who knows? Maybe another Connor might steal the show mm-hmm. tomorrow. That would be Connor Brown. We will hear from the Oilers forward when we come back. Kevin Carey Show with Lorraine Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Lorraine Munzer's favorite Monday song. Woohoo! <laughs> totally. I love this song. And happy Monday to everybody out there. You know, the weekend again. Whenever you have a Sunday afternoon game, for some reason, it it just feels weird, like a little different. There aren't a lot of Sunday afternoon games for the Oilers mm-hmm. because I think we're focused on football, Duke. That's fair. Would you say, for you, you said, you, so you had it on your computer, but then you had four games on the TV? Yeah, just for simplicity's sake, it's easier to run the uh, the split screen thing up on the TV than just on my laptop when I have my, my monitor kind of sat on my... Um 
coffee table or whatever there. So it's a little bit of a bigger thing. Drag the window over onto that. But yeah, my whole Sunday thing was kind of out of rhythm yesterday because as we touched on off the top, normally I play beer league hockey Sunday nights. We played Saturday morning instead. So I was at home for the entirety of Sunday night football game, which had the makings of a great one to sit in for. But uh, we'll get into this later in the show, uh, I'm sure as well. But the uh, the Eagles maybe on fraud watch here as they lose uh, another big game to a, a tough matchup, but their schedule will lighten up now. So between that, not going to play beer league, uh, the Oilers playing earlier in the in the day, it was uh, my whole Sunday schedule was a little out of whack. And yours, Lorianne, was it out of whack too? Uh, no, it was just usual, busy, bu- just busy, normal and fun. But it's funny because it's f- Sunday felt longer. Saturday felt like Sunday and mm-hmm. Sunday felt longer. I don't know why. You know, the Duke touched on it. Dallas Cowboys, if they can play at home during the playoffs, they have a pretty good chance to go to the Super Bowl because they are just dominant at home. And again, we'll touch on that later in the show. Connor Brown... Text coming in, one 1440 This is Ranting Rob. Due to his injuries, Connor Brown was a signing risk and still is. Was there any other right-winger available? There were other right-wingers available. I'm going to say this still, and I've touched on this at the start of the you know, the season, even weeks ago. It wouldn't surprise me that Connor Brown signs again here next year for a million dollars, whatever it is. Now the contract looks pretty good, especially, I mean, he's got to, he's got to start contributing offensively. We, we know that. And I think it's going to happen. I think you're starting to see him being involved a lot more in the play. So I think that the offense is going to come. But it can wear on a guy, I would imagine, Lorianne. But it can also be, um, it's coming. It's really coming. And really those foundational components to the game is, I think, where he's going, where he's building. And it's just a matter of time because when it clicks, it's he's going to be... A force to be reckoned with, I think. Four and a half minutes into the game last night, Connor Brown thought he scored his first goal uh, as an Edmonton Oiler, but it was an interference uh, call on goaltender interference with Evander Kane. Goal was uh, negated. It didn't matter. He still was really involved in the play yesterday. Following the game, Connor Brown had these post-game comments to the media. With your uh, Eastern experience, you probably know that team uh, a little bit better than some of the people out west. They, they're very talented. How did you guys kind of make sure to handle them and not let them get back in this way? Yeah, a lot of great skaters over there, especially their forward groups. So I think uh, you know once we got a we once we got a lead, I thought we did a good job of uh, controlling the play and uh, you know not forcing things to the blue line and making their D turn so they couldn't uh, you know they we couldn't get the track meet going and I think that plays into their hand. So Connor, when the goal was wiped out, what were you thinking? I mean. I mean yeah, I, I, I mean, you almost have to laugh. I mean, right? That's just uh, the way she's going right now. But um, you know, it's uh, for me. I think I'm, you know, I'm contributing a lot, and you know, penalty kill and other other aspects. So uh, just focus on what I'm doing well, and and uh, just know that the bounces will Could come. You tell- as you're waiting for the replay, because you saw the replay, you're thinking, oh, maybe I didn't. No, nah, I didn't. I didn't even look at the replay. They didn't play it up on the jumbotron or anything. So, uh, but uh, a couple of the guys in the benches were saying it could go either way. So, um, unfortunate, but we bounced right back, and uh, it was a good solid win for us. How much pride is your group taking in the way you're killing penalties? Big time. I think um, you know. I think uh, you know we're killing with a lot of confidence. Um, even the ones that we are killing, we're finding things that we can improve on. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to. You know, add as much pressure as possible, and you know, I think that we're killing really well, and I think we can get better too. So it's a, it's a good sign. Like when the backup comes in and plays as well as 
picker. That's who ex- doesn't play much. It's exciting. I mean, it's like you, you know, it's one of those things where everyone just feels so happy for the guy, and uh, you know, he stood on his head, especially down the stretch in that game. I thought he did a great job, and so you know, you're nothing but happy for him. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's always fun. Sorry, what do you say about the goaltending over the the course of these last seven games? It seems like they've really turned the table along with the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've done great. Um, I think they've been solid in there. You know, stops the one, stop the one they need to, and uh, I think um, you know, also I think we've done a better job of uh, being a little bit more predictable and uh, you know, less seam plays and uh, backdoor chances. So um, you know, they can feel good in it, and the puck can, can you know they know where the shots coming from and and things like that. Feel like you guys have uh, they've settled the group down a little bit too. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think the you know top to bottom, I think the the boys feel very confident in our game. That's Oilers forward Connor Brown following the game yesterday as the Oilers get set for Chicago tomorrow night. So two things that we wanted to kind of address with, well, first of all, Lorian, with Connor Bedard coming in to town, mm-hmm. and you heard Speck kind of touch on it. This is an exciting time for all players because now they want to see what this guy can do. They've seen obviously all the highlights, but and for even players like Connor McDavid, um, you know Leon Drysaddle, they want to see what this young guy's all about. And they've seen him obviously on highlights and things like that. But exactly, what do you think about what's going on with the Oilers players that are established already? But to see the next star come into the the league, come into the building tomorrow night, I think it's going to elevate the game even more because it's an unknown. It's going to be the first game, and it's also going to ex- add some excitement to the game. And when you've got that, that's a powerful combination. Um, I think there'll there'll be a couple of um, I'm going to call them flubs because mm-hmm. that's what happens because that ends up being the nervous energy that comes out but I think it's going to elevate the game. I think everybody's going to be on their toes, both Connor Bedard, McDavid, Dreisaitl, everybody. And it's just going to raise the whole level. So Cal Pickard with a very, very good performance yesterday. We know where Jack Campbell is. We know what he's been doing down in Bakersfield. What would Jack Campbell be thinking after what he saw yesterday with the play of Cal Pickard? What's going through his mind down on the farm right now? Great question. I think, number one, I think Campbell is going, great job. Great job, Pickard. Um, It's what you do as a professional. I think it's also going to elevate Campbell's game to go, okay, what do I need to do and where do I need to really be on top of my A game to perform at my best, to play my best, to deliver and stop every puck that is coming my way. And I don't know, maybe he's going to, you know, imagine or, or have a couple of guys shooting on him just like uh, Bouchard, maybe not 97 miles an hour. But if you've got that, using that as a template and a, I'm going to call it a launching pad, could really help him out. So that's where I would think he would be thinking. So Bakersfield had a pair of games on the weekend. Saturday night, the Condors lost 2-1 to the Ontario Reign. Olivier Rodrigue played that game, allowed mm-hmm. two goals. He made 25 saves, but a 2-1 victory for Ontario Reign. Now, the day prior to that was the game that Jack Campbell played. So uh, they had a back-to-back. They, they've been, that's what the schedule's been like. It just seems to be back-to-back. So they're splitting the games up down on the farm. So they played... Friday night, and the Condors were in Ontario. So it was a home-and-home. Home. They lose Saturday by a score of 2-1. to one, 
but the Condors win 6-4 on the Friday. And that was the game that Jack Campbell played. So Jack Campbell made 20 saves in a win, mm-hmm. gave up four goals. So just how the schedule goes, and again, what Cal Picker did, it gives the Oilers time. It, it allows Ken Holland that commodity that you just can't get enough of. It gives them the opportunity to go, we're okay here for a while mm-hmm. till Christmas. We're, we're fine. If we can get it one or maybe two more starts out of Cal Pickard before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset of a team and organization. Just So now he's not up against the wall, Ken Holland. The team can go, let's take our time here. We, we, we don't breathe. have to panic here. Yep. So that luxury that gets afforded to a team, I mean, you can't buy that. You can't buy it, but you can create it. So everybody knows what their schedule is. So physically seeing it can bring in the gaps, give you that time to go, okay, reset, recharge, go again. If you do not have that luxury and you're playing back-to-back games, I'm going to say time is an illusion because we can slow down time, we can speed up time. And I think where we need to be thinking as an athlete is just being in the present moment, just focus on today, whether it's a practice, whether it's an early game, whether it's a late game, late start, doesn't matter. But really focusing in on where are you right now on this moment and don't get ahead of yourself because when you get ahead of yourself, that's when you run into trouble. So the Oilers have six games before the Christmas break. Three at home, starting tomorrow against Chicago. Then it's Tampa here on Thursday and then uh, Saturday night is Florida. They go on the road for three and four nights. So the game that you might as well put it in pen. Cal Pickard plays the 21st. It's in New Jersey. You just beat the Devils. Mm-hmm. You'd be crazy not to play him again. So he's going to play that game there. Mm-hmm. So you would think you go on the road for those three games. Stu Skinner is going to play on Long Island. You come back two nights later. Cal Pickard plays against the Devils. And then the 22nd, Stu Skinner plays against the Rangers. So there's one game there. Out of these next three at home, you could see him play maybe one more game as well. He could play Thursday. He could play Thursday against Tampa. You have that confidence now. Oh, absolutely. So. And that's the beautiful part. It's just going to be hang tight, everybody. Wait and see. Laurie Ann Munzer, are you in or are you out? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. Just don't. Oh, chikai, chikai, Laurie Ann. Uh, we're going to do are you in or are you out with Laurie Ann Munzer. The Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, has come up with five great points, counterpoints. I don't know how you do it every day, Duke. It's just it's just remarkable. The great thing about sports <laughs> is that there is something new every, every day. day. So it's, uh, you know, roll with the times. What's hot? What's uh, what's fresh in the press? Also, I uh, just want to give a heads up. Our St. Albert Dodge game of the day is kind of going to be a bit of a rerun from yesterday's Oilers game, plus a look ahead to tonight's big game in the NHL, Colorado, hosting the Calgary Flames. But the reason why I wanted to revisit uh, the game at 10 o'clock and, uh, for the St. Albert Dodge game of the day, we're going to have Tim Shipton on from the Oilers because yesterday... Uh, at the game they had, it was a kind of a next-gen day, they call it. So they brought out all the kids. The kids were there doing work behind the scenes, like on the Jumbotron, which was really cool, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, I never got the kid's name, but I'm sure Tim will have it for us, that did the public address announcing. So Al Stafford is, you know, he announces the goals, the penalties, all that. But they had this young boy on yesterday who was just phenomenal. Like, he he sounded like a real... 
Like he could step in to do any game. Like Al Stafford could be out of a job here. Phenomenal. Like he was just, and just his energy and his inflection and all the, the, the when he was announcing the goals. And then I don't know if you ever noticed when, so they announce a goal and then they do a quieter version, just, you know, those goal scored by Bouchard, assisted by Leon Dreisaitl. And so that's the second time. So he did, he nailed that as well after having all the energy at the, for the first one. So we'll get Tim Shipton's thoughts on that. Uh, when we come back, are you in or are you out with Laurie Ann Munzer on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440? Stay with us. All right, Laurie Ann, you got to take this one, this Monday song over the bangles now. Gotta, oh, bangles all the way. No, 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 no. Bangles all the way. The Duke comes through with Chester boy. <laughs> so time now for an are you in or are you out plus the snazzy new intro that the Duke has put together here it is we had some great times we're about to have some more I know that look I'm putting together a team then I'm in just when I thought I was out they pulled me back in are you in or are you on Sports 1440. I'm out. There you go, L.A. This is so good. <laughs> so good. All right, I got a fresh batch of uh, hot button points for us to dive into here on a fine Monday morning, uh, starting with the Oilers, and we've talked already about it uh, quite a bit this morning. Evan Bouchard continuing his strong play, 11-game uh, point streak uh, on pace for just over 90 points on the season and about 26 goals. But what I'm saying is that uh, at some point in his career, Evan Bouchard will score 30 goals in a season. Boy, that's a tough one because defenseman to score 30 is a rarity. However, I am going to say I am in on this one. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this year. So I'm going to say I am in. I think he could do it this year. The number one factor that comes into play here is the Oilers' power play. It obviously has to operate, well, pushing up to, to 30%. Uh, you know, it's 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 top five, six in the league, seven in the league right now. I think if the power play can continue at that rate, that success rate, Evan Bouchard has a chance to score 30 goals this year, so I am in. Nice. Um, five goals, 11 assists so far this year. 97-mile-an-hour shot. 24 years old, I'm in. Definitely. And I think it's going to be this year as well. So I'm in. Hmm. Same. Yep. Sticking uh, wow. with the NHL, um, currently the top 10 scores in the league, uh, Nikita Kucherov pacing it by seven points, uh, second place JT Miller, but eight of the top 10 are not former winners of the Art Ross Trophy for the league's leading scorer. So I'm saying that this season we will see a first-time winner of the Art Ross Trophy. Do you want to go first, Laurie? Sure. Thank you. Um, Connor's ranked number eight. Bouchard tied for 21st. Hyman tied for 27th. Ryan Nugent-Hawkins tied for 48th. But I think he's trying with other teams. It's opening. It's opening the doors for new people. Okay. We're going to see a new winner, a new leader. Absolutely. I'm in. Uh, I am out on this one because it'll either be Kucherov, and he's won already, or it'll be Connor McDavid that wins the Art Ross. So I'm going to say I am out on this one because just the way McDavid's playing, where he's come from, where he was 125th or whatever in league scoring to where he is now, uh, he's 36 points. Kucherov's got 47. One of those two guys are going to win it, and that's why I am out 
on that one. Yeah, I don't think it's too uh, too absurd to say that probably by the time we hit Christmas break, Connor McDavid could certainly be uh, probably in second place and possibly right hot on the heels of Kucherov. Who, I mean, he's been great this year. The Lightning have had their fair share of issues as they uh, kind of struggled to move through this post uh you know winning window of a lot of contracts and having to move some bodies out of town Vasilevsky's injury etc but Kucherov's been tremendous this year uh and I think Connor McDavid will probably be hot on his heels so it'll be hard pressed the numbers dictate Mm -hmm. the chances are in favor of a new one but I, I kind of agree with you there Kevin uh one of the biggest stories coming out of the NFL yesterday the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Buffalo Bills 20 to 17 uh and a what could have been all time great looking play called back on the Chiefs uh final drive of the game as Kadarius Tony lines up offsides for the Chiefs offense resulting in the penalty that brings the play backward the Chiefs wide receivers lead the league in drops and have had uh, multiple instances similar to yesterday where big moments show up and they are not able to uh, capitalize so I'm saying that the Kansas City Chiefs have a bottom five wide receiver core in the entire NFL I am so in on this Duke I would even said I would agreed with you would have went bottom, bottom three. three. <laughs> who's who's worse, the Jets and the Giants? Maybe yeah, that's yeah. about it. But they, you say as they uh, as we know they lead the league in drops. But after yesterday, they lead the league in stupidity as well. I mean that is just <laughs> the dumbest play ever imaginable that you can line up so far offside that you are not aware of that your foot being, I don't know. 10, 15 inches, a half a foot over the line, maybe even more, maybe a full foot over the line of scrimmage so that the side judge, the, the, the side official can't even see the ball? Come on. So, and I, I, again, I can't believe that all these guys, some people are defending the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are upset. Oh, we didn't get, the officials didn't give us a proper word. Well, it's not up to them. They, they you can ask the official, hey, am I on side? Yeah. Then the official he has to tell you. But if you don't ask and you just line up because you are, you know, in maybe some fairness to Kadarius Tony, that play is in the works. If if the if Kelsey makes the reception and the laterals there, maybe his mind is thinking, okay, I've got to be in this position for Kelsey to get the ball to me, but still, you're offside. So I'm going to say, yeah, I, I am so in on that. Like, again, I would have went top three. Worst top three. <laughs> wow. I'm... Uh... I'm not impressed with the league, league, leading the league with the number of drops. It's like, oh my gosh, what are you guys thinking? And maybe they're not thinking. I don't know. Um, I'm in as well. Bottom five. Before we move on from this, and we might get into it a little bit later, even we have uh, Joe Rexroad on here at the top of the hour because he covers the whole NFL, but uh, specifically the Tennessee Titans as well. Um, like Kevin, what like you talk about Reed and Mahomes verbally expressing their frustration. Do you think that they're actually mad about that or they're so upset with Tony for making that play, but it's really tough to throw your teammate or player under the bus uh, in a moment like that. So you kind of redirect that anger and frustration towards the referees. And if they get fined for calling, because that is the the rule, you're not allowed to verbally uh, in post-game comments or whatever, criticize officiating. Do you think that, like, do you think that should be allowed? Like, you have the freedom to make comments about officiating and you shouldn't face any repercussions for it because officials are not held to the same standards. They don't do post-game interviews. They don't really have to answer for their actions. So should be allowed, should you be allowed to criticize them uh, openly? I think you could, I think they're still mad about the play, the game prior with Marcus <laughs> Valdez-Scantling not getting called on a PI. Very fair. So I think that it's just brewing and that just bubbled over for them. But if you look at 
what was said after the game, there is a pool reporter, a pool referee that goes to the pool reporter. That reporter uh, can interview that referee as a statement on behalf of the officials. That happened after the game last night. Uh, This is Carl Sheffers told pool reporter Matt Derrick after the game. Ultimately, if they look for alignment advice, certainly we are going to give it to them. But ultimately, they are responsible for wherever they line up. And certainly, no warning is required, especially if they are lined up so far offside where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. So this is all on Kansas City Chiefs. All of it. And uh, Ear Candy just texted in saying, if the play is whistled dead as soon as the flag flies, there is no issue. Well, yes, but that's not how it works. They they always allow, unless it's a pre-snap, um, or certain types of penalties to get whistled down, like unabated to the quarterback, mm-hmm. et cetera. Because what if the um, the defense intercepts the ball? They can choose to decline the penalty, right? So you still have to let the play develop, which I think is something that's really good about the NFL, um, as opposed to, say, other sports like quick whistles and things like that where goals might get called back because the sight of the puck is lost. You can always go back and reverse a call and say, no, it was covered, et cetera. But as soon as the whistle goes, there's nothing you can do about it. The play is dead. That's why a lot of times they just let it go and yeah. they'll figure it out. Exactly. Like you, on a you, fumble recovery or something. hundred like percent. Yeah. And I think that is one thing that the NHL uh, or NFL, pardon me, does better than a lot of other leagues. And they have the freedom to just because mm-hmm. of how the sport is played. But nonetheless, uh, we can touch a little bit more on that as the morning progresses. But, uh, a lot of Canadian sports fans, particularly Toronto Blue Jays fans, dealing with some heartbreak here on Monday morning as on Saturday, Shohei Otani announces he's signing with the LA Dodgers on a record-setting $700 million contract, which would equivocate to uh, well over a billion dollars Canadian <laughs> if he were to sign with the Blue Jays. And uh, Rogers, not short on change by any stretch of the imagination. They're a, a multi-billion dollar media conglomerate. But I'm saying the MLB soft cap will make it impossible for the Toronto Blue Jays to ever sign the marquee free agent in any given offseason. It's a hard one to answer because they have been able to sign a lot of guys over the years. They've got George Springer, you know, that's probably their, their mo- they've got Kevin Gosman. They've been able to get these guys. I just think that the Otani signing was so far out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to disagree with this. I'm going to say I'm out on it. I'm going to say they, I mean, what do you consider a marquee? Like, I mean, from Otani... To, I mean, everyone it down. It obviously is, depends. Because like, even when so they signed down. George Springer a couple of years ago, he was kind of rated as about the third best free agent in that class, which, I mean, hey, he's been a great player for them and had a lot of a very high profile entering free agency. But, one, yeah, it, it, I mean, obviously it's a bit of a vague term in terms of marquee, but who you would maybe consider the number one free agent in any given offseason, I guess, is what I would call mm-hmm. marquee. But it, maybe I can phrase this differently. Is it the soft cap or... The yeah. fact that despite being a Canadian team, the Jays still pay out. Um, yeah, they have to match the American uh, pricing. So is it is it the soft cap or the exchange rate that uh, might inhibit the Jays? Because you you basically have to overpay for every single person you bring in. So again, I I I, I still think that just because of if you want to call it the soft cap, I still think they still get guys. So I, I am out on this one. I'm going to be out on this one as well too because I think it depends on how creative can you get with what you're proposing to the players, right? How bad do you want them? What can you do to make it happen? Toronto was so excited. Uh, I know I was in the station here on Friday with Jason and uh, everybody was calling in, even the staff here, we're following, it wasn't the Santa tracker. <laughs> the, fl- yeah, the flight tracker, which apparently yeah. apparently Shohei was not on, so it was kind of a bit of a false flag operation. But you know what? It's excitement there, and it really generates 
and interest and excitement and enthusiasm. And I, I'm out on this one. All right, final one for you as we steer away from the world of sports. Uh, December 11th, 1980, Magnum P.I. premieres on CBS. Tom Selleck, iconic with his mustache <laughs> over the course of his career. And I'm saying that uh, Selleck has rocked the mustache better than anybody in Hollywood. You want to go first, Lorianne? Oh, go ahead. totally. Yeah. Um, I remember watching Magnum, grew up with Magnum, and yes, he is the godfather of the mustache. <laughs> Burt Reynolds comes in a close second. Ooh. It was pretty close, but there is nothing like a Magnum P.I. Tom Selleck mustache, so I am in. I'm going to be in as well. I just love that old Magnum show. I mean... You can't even watch this new one. It's nope. just that you can't watch the new one. But Tom Selleck, that mustache was unreal. And, of course, the Detroit Tigers hat. But old Higgy Baby, he had that pencil-thin mustache going, too. The old baseball mustache, right? Nine on each side. So old Higgy Baby looked pretty good, too. And, you know, you had Zeus and Apollo, the Dobermans, you know, mm-hmm. always chasing after Selleck in the yard. And I, I, I it was a great show. Classic. It was a great show, and, you know, obviously he had the beautiful car, and uh, what was his name? JT or TJ had the helicopter, mm-hmm. and then the other guy, the kind of mafia guy, that Rick guy. It was a good show. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, Stu Skinner's probably got he's, – he's chasing after Selleck for top mustache going with the Oilers easily. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Duke, well, I mean, you're still working on yours there too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm not a big uh, mustache guy. I certainly can't compete with the likes of Connor Halley, who no, had quite okay. the uh, quite the muzzy going here for uh, for November this uh, this fall. Do you know who Connor looked like when he had the mustache going? Uh, like very uh, young, very young. If you go back to find some pictures, Cheech, John Garrett. Oh really? Yeah. If you go find some old pictures of John Garrett, you'll go. Hey, that's Connor Halley. The former Ross Shep Tiber. Yes. Well, that was another solid performance there, Duke, for in or out. Uh, when we come back, we will talk a little NFL football with uh, Joel Rexroad at the top of the hour. Then, how about this? Katrina LeMay Doan. We will have. So, this is th- two shows out of three where we have three gold medals, mm-hmm. Olympic gold medals. Cassie Campbell was the other one. Yes. And now Katrina LeMay Doan. And then Carol Pope at 940. Uh, Check out some of her songs with Rough Trade. Yes. They are classic Canadiana. The lyrics are remarkable. Yes. Pushing looking, it. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. When we come back, uh, NFL, we will check in with Joel Rexroad. The athletic covers the Tennessee Titans and the rest of the league. Uh, that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. First up, here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.